What would we do, baby, without us? Shalala. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Alex P. Keaton is my friend. I'm your friend Phil Vecchio and on this episode we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 14 of Family Ties. This episode is titled Oh Brother Part 2 and it originally aired on the 15th of January in 1987. And with me as always to discuss this episode is my very special co-host Keith. Phil, how are you? Doing alright. Nice. Yeah, hanging in there. We're excited because, man, this is the conclusion of this two-parter. Yeah, this was a crazy two-parter. It really was. I mean, it was so crazy that there was no freeze frame. I know, like breaking all kinds of traditions in this one. Oh my gosh, when was the last time we got... Was it... Oh my gosh. Okay, so the last time there was no freeze frame, was it the time when they had that baby carousel? Or baby toy or something, and they wound it up, and they had left it, and remember it was like spinning still? Yeah, that oh. could be. Forgot about that one. Yeah, that was a crazy one, too. Well, any excitement that we need to discuss outside of the Family Ties world? No, I know you and I have uh, <laughs> talked for just a little while already, but... <laughs> we have, we have. Well, we are approaching November... Yes. And I just want to remind everyone that in November, for the Mandarin Orange Show, we'll be doing the 30-day live stream challenge. And one of those live streams, at least, will be a live Alex B. Keaton is my friend episode. So we'll keep you posted on the specifics of that. But that is very exciting. It is exciting. Oh, man. You're going to hear all the ums and the uh, uhs and thes and... Uh, be great. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. It'll be the quickest editing that I do because it'll, it'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel bad for you. I'm sorry. No, no, are you kidding? That's, <laughs> that's just what editing is. It's great. Everybody oh. says, um, believe me, everybody says, um. Well, I'll do my best to uh, be on my best behavior when we do that. Well, that's good. Okay. And Thanksgiving. Oh, I love Thanksgiving so much. I know we're coming up to that. Finally, is like kind of cooling off. Yeah. Well, it was weird because we got that cool rain like a couple weeks ago, and then it was back to like 100. Tomorrow's supposed to be, I don't know, like in the low 70s or something like that. So. Oh, amazing and beautiful. That sounds nice to me. It does. I'll take that. Also, what sounds nice is to remind our dear listeners how to get a hold of us if they would like to write to us. How would they do that, Phil? Well, a good idea would be to write to us at alexpkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com. Send us your questions or your comments or whatever you want to tell us, and we'll read it on the show. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Oh, and what group would they want to be a part of if they were going to join us on Facebook? Well, I see how you passed that back to me, so I would be the one to say the, a group for the friends of the Alex B. Keaton is my friend podcast. Oh, that sounds like such a fun group, Phil. It is a fun, fun group. You should definitely join us and make it even more fun. Oh, and then last week we had even talked about if they wanted to send a voice file, they could do that as well. That's right. Send that to our Gmail. Alexpkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com. We can include that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That'd be so cool. I do have to admit that I got in a little bit of trouble from Heidi this after last week's episode. <laughs> oh, I knew we might be getting an update there. Tell yeah. us what uh, what went down. Well, she said I, I might have been a little unfair in uh, what I said. That uh, she said I wasn't that harsh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said, well, I was just trying to get you to write in, but I still couldn't get you to do it. <laughs> well, I. 
made sure to leave it nice enough that she wouldn't be too mad at us. So, <laughs> right. You know. No, no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the best version. That was like only the usable parts I could get in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just uh. kidding. Yeah, now when uh, I don't record with you next week, it'll be because I'm a bloody mangled mess, so. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm glad that Heidi at least listened so that she could get mad at it. We appreciate you. Even if you get mad at listening to us, you know, you're still listening, and that helps. <laughs> I was also thinking about starting a Monopoly podcast, so if anybody wants to join in on that one, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode will just end with everyone, like, throwing the board and you ending the... <laughs> Cutting off the recording. <laughs> yeah, we never finished a board game. <laughs> uh, It'll be called How to Lose All Your Friends Podcast. <laughs> Via Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you see Costco's got a new Monopoly? No, what is it? I, I don't know. Like, I just saw it on Costco.com today, actually. Like a Costco Monopoly? Like yeah. the theme is Costco? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What's like Boardwalk and Park Place, I wonder? You know what? Now you're going to make me look because I don't know. All right. As you look, I'm going to guess. I think toilet paper's got to be one of them. Because <laughs> everybody gets toilet paper at Costco, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. You're not buying those one or two at the big lots down the street. You're going for the big thing. You're definitely going for the good stuff. So we actually, speaking of Costco, recently got a really cool puzzle at Costco. Ooh. It's like the brand name, I think it's called Dowdle or something like that. And they like make puzzles that Costco sells a lot. And so they made a Costco puzzle that's sold exclusively at Costco. And it's a, the picture is inside of a Costco, but it's drawn. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's laid out like a Costco and there's all kinds of funny little Easter eggs and stuff. People eating the food at the shop and, you know, at the little snack shop and getting samples and all the different things. But the coolest part is in the middle, there's a display of the puzzles. And there's one guy walking around holding the Costco puzzle that you're putting together. So it's like a puzzle, a picture in the picture, you know? Oh, that's fun. It was fun. Fun puzzle. So it's, uh, it looks like a fish selling the all-beef hot dogs is whatever the boardwalk is, but they've got lunch tables. So apparently instead of hotels and houses, you have lunch tables and Costco's. Oh, interesting. Ooh, it was like tax. Instead of tax, you have to give samples out. You know, well, instead of tax, it looks like there's a... Um, Membership fee? <laughs> no, it's a Costco shop card. Oh. Hot dogs, though. That makes sense. Yeah. And there's pizza slices. So Go is like a family sitting at a lunch table, and they're eating hot dogs and ice cream and pizza and, you know, all the good stuff. Mm. It's basically just the, the snack shop. Yeah, which is one of my favorite places because they have, like, coffee and they have strawberry ice cream. Well, the berries. only sad thing, I'm super happy they still have the hot dogs for $1.50. But they did get rid of the onions. No, they're back now. <gasps> they're back? They're back, yes. Oh, my gosh. I got it. Janelle! Janelle, you have to hear the great news! Oh, it's Costco locations. Seattle and San Diego are Park Place and Boardwalk. Seattle is the Boardwalk. They got to Reykjavik is uh, one of the Ooh, green Iceland. ones. Yeah. Janelle, you have to hear the good news. Costco has onions back for the hot dogs, Keith said. Yes. Oh, my God. You were worried about that. I know. It's like it's all my dreams have come true. We're, that's where we got to get. We got to get hot dogs. Our next lunch date, we got to get hot dogs. Our new mustard that we bought online. Yes. Okay. Zesty. Very excited. Yes, we should do that. All right. This is a, this is big news. No, oh, that's great news. I'm glad I could break it. 
I just thought we'd never see them again. Nope. You're good to go. You got it. They're oh, there. Thank goodness. I saw them myself. Now no one will want to stand next to me after I eat the hot dogs once again. Yeah, so it's just like Costco's in every city for the different places. What's the train? The railroad? When they're, oh, it's bakery is one. Oh, the butcher? Produce and frozen? Me- yep. Meat and deli? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Turns out optical is one of them for like uh, the electric company and waterworks. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. And then what's this Tire shop, maybe, for the other? It is. It's the tire shop. Ah! Yeah. I know my Costco well. Yeah, you do. (laughs) I hate getting tires at Costco. We used to do it all the time, but we do not anymore. Because you can never get in to get them rotated, serviced, taken care of. And it takes so long. It's easier for me to go somewhere else. Since we're talking Costco, and specifically tires, I'm going to tell you a quick story which I think you may have heard on the Mandarin Orange Show before, but if not, it'll be a good refresher anyway. Yeah, I love Costco tire stories. When Janelle and I, it was like when we were first married, I can't remember, something happened and, and actually I kind of like went into the curb a little bit and damaged both tires on the one side, right? Mm-hmm. No, no other cars were involved, but had to replace two tires at once. So we had to get it towed. We got it towed down to Costco. Because that's where we'd always get our tires, right? Yeah. This is not the one here. This is when we lived out in Orange County. And we got there kind of near the end of the day. And we went into the tire place. And the guy said, like, you know, we, we can't get you in today. Well, you'll have to come back tomorrow. And I was like, well, we just got the car towed here. And he's like, yeah, just, just park it on the side here and we'll take care of it tomorrow morning. So I'm like, okay, you're sure? Like, because there were signs up that said no overnight parking. Whatever. He's like, no, no, it's fine for the tire shop. Just... Park it there on the side, and then, you know, come back tomorrow morning, we'll get it taken care of. So we parked it there, got a ride back home, and came back the next morning, and lo and behold, our car had been towed. Oh. And I was like, I went in, I'm like, yeah, well, did, you guys, did you guys take the car in, or what's the deal? And they're like, oh, no, it must have been towed. And they, I was like, what do you, we came here and brought it into you last night. And they said, oh, you're not allowed to park it overnight. The guy, of course, who we talked to was not there. Of course not. And... I was, like, so upset. I'm, like, they said, oh, you'll have to go get it out. We called the place, and it was, like, $400 or something like that. I don't remember. Something ridiculous, right? Yes. And I was, like, we're not, we shouldn't be responsible for that. We parked it there, and they said, well, we have the signs. And I said, but your employee told us that we could park it there, and, like, that it was fine because it's the tire place. And the the tire place was, like, nope, there's nothing we're going to do about it. And I'm, like, well, we need to talk to the manager or whoever. I was... I mean, like, first of all, this is, like, early marriage. We had no money. No. So we didn't have that money. I'm like, we're stuck here anyway, so we're going to wait until someone takes care of it. And we basically just performed a sit-in and went up the chain until we got to the manager. And they're like, what's it going to take to get you out of here? And we're like, go ahead and pay for the tow and uh, get us a ride over there, and we'll, uh, we'll part our separate ways. And so they sent us out with a check. For the to, to cover it and got us to ride over to the tow place and we got our car out and <laughs> took it somewhere else to get tires. Oh my gosh! And you never went back to get tires anywhere there. No, 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 definitely not. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh. And I mean, I realize that does not speak for all of the Costco's everywhere and everyone's experience, but I was like, I was so mad because we very clearly clarified with the guy like, "Hey, are you, are we sure we're allowed to park here?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's fine for the tire shop." 
And they're like, our employee didn't have the authority to do that. I'm like, well, you're the one that put him in charge of the place last night, and he told us he had the authority, so take it up with him. I don't care, but I'm not paying for it. Right. It's not fair that I have to pay for it when he told me it was okay. Maybe he should have just changed the two tires, and then I wouldn't have been in the situation. That's right. That's so frustrating. It was, but it turned out okay in the end. And it was like 20 years ago, so. Well, yeah. And I love Costco. I mean, I give them plenty of my money, so. Oh, yeah, we, we're we still regular customers. <laughs> it, it was just the one situation at the one place. Right. Far from where we are now, but still. Still. Ugh. We are pretty far away from what the subject of our podcast is right now, and I think we're going to get to what we're supposed to be talking about, which is family ties. Sha-la-la-la! You know, we open in the living room and we kind of, we just start exactly where we left off where everybody's like, oh, Maureen, hi. And uh, Stephen and Rob are in the, in the living room and they were kind of having an argument when the doorbell rang. Maureen walks in and that's when we find out that uh, Rob may not have told the complete truth right off the bat. Mm. In fact, he'd already been gone for a couple of months. He pretty much just left one day, never said a word. And just disappeared, and we found out that he stayed with a friend in in uh, New York. Then he went to Yellowstone and stayed in a tent. And the only way she was <laughs> able to find him is because he left like his travel alarm clock uh, with a friend, and they called to ask her what to do with it. I'm pretty sure if Rob's staying with a friend and he's telling the friend that he's getting a divorce and they're separated and everything, the friend's not calling Maureen about the the travel alarm (laughs) clock, right? No, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, at Yellowstone, he left his travel, his inflatable pillow. And so uh, they they called, the park ranger called and said, oh, what do you want us to do with this? (laughs) Yeah, I guarantee they just threw that pillow away. There's no way the ranger's calling them to find out about their inflatable pillow. (laughs) Well, and is it like his underwear? You know, maybe he writes his name and phone number on things, or (laughs) (laughs) whose pillow is this? So we get a very tense moment where we find out that uh, you know Rob is not telling the truth. So then we get a scene shift to where it's Elise and Maureen. That was really hard to say both of those names. Like I'm trying to think about it. I'm like (laughs) Elise and Maureen, and then I try to say it and comes out terrible. But Elise and Maureen are sitting in Stephen and Elise's bedroom, and she's kind of telling Elise the whole story about you know it was a Tuesday and she'd gone to the grocery store. She comes back, she honks the horn, nothing. Honks the horn again, nothing. Finally, he comes sauntering down and he says, "I think you know we're done. I gotta go." And she's like, "Well, can you help unload the groceries first? Because (laughs) she's all heart." So this is when we find out that Maureen is just love. <laughs> Maureen is great. Yeah, she's awesome. She's a mood, as they say. Yes, yeah, she is. So then we go uh, down to the kitchen, and we see the kids all kind of bundled, you know, huddled together there, trying to figure out what's going on. And they're talking about the adults are arguing, you know, two of them argue in one room, and then two more in another room, and then the first two and the second two argue with each other in a different room and so it seems like the upstairs is just a nightmare it's nothing but argument everywhere and jennifer's got this sweet computer with her and she goes i'm just trying to use my computer and mallory you know looks at it and she's like oh my gosh you gotta use that thing now (laughs) i don't know what it was gonna do but we will go into detail later about the computer i'll just tell you i got I got stuff to share. Oh, good. Okay, because it looked like a, a keyboard, just kind of no case or anything to it at all. So I'm real curious. 
So the kids are all huddled together at the table. They're talking about all the adults. They're just kind of like commiserating together. And Alex decides that he's going to go ahead and just explain to the kids what used to happen because Jennifer's kind of like, you know, is this normal? Like what's going on? And that's when Mallory says, you know what? It's more common than you think because I watch soap operas (laughs) and it happens almost every episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love Mallory. She's so great. But uh, we get this wisdom from Alex that, you know, back in the in the day, you know, if the man got tired of the woman, he would just get a mistress. But if the woman got tired of the man, she learned how to knit. And then that way, everybody ended up getting some really nice sweaters out of the deal. <laughs> Everything was tied to money. <laughs> That's right. It's objective. I think Alex is closer with Maureen than he is with Uncle Rob there. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephen and Rob end up coming downstairs at that point. All the kids, you know, they they hightail it out of there as quick as they can. And that's when uh, Rob tells Stephen kind of what happened and how he just was sitting in a meeting. And the guy was kind of berating him about, you know, he needed more tax shelters and the tax laws changed. And Rob's like, you know, look, you know, I'm not a congressman. I'm an accountant. And that just kind of humbled him and it made him freak out and panic. And so he decided that he needed a change and his whole life was terrible and he needed to, he had to run. And where did he run, Phil? The batting cage. Because where else do you go when you're having a midlife crisis? That's apparently the spot with $700 in quarters in his pocket. <laughs> yep. He spent three hours at the batting cage and hit one fastball and thought he was the king of the world again. <laughs> That's the saddest midlife crisis ever. (laughs) Exactly. So he told Stephen, and it was a very tense moment there, that he just couldn't go back to the life that he was living because it would kill him. And then we get kind of the darkening of the screen there because it went to a commercial break back in the early day. But now, you know, we just get the dark screen for a second. And then we get back into the kitchen and we've got Alex and Andy. And Alex is describing to Andy how to make just the best French toast in the world. And apparently, I've never done this, Phil. I don't know if you have. You got to soak the bread in the batter for 14 hours before you cook it. First of all, Janelle, according to Janelle, you only have to do it for like 30 seconds or something. And second of all, after 14 hours, it would just be like bread soup. Like there's no bread left. <laughs> no, it's just disintegrated. And rotten eggs. Well, and Heidi's like, yeah, that would smell terrible if it sat in your fridge that long. Ugh. And if you didn't leave it in the fridge, then, you know, you're going to eat whatever molds and everything is already starting to grow on that concoction (laughs) so gross that's bad alex gives this beautiful step-by-step presentation to andy and andy's like yeah can i have some cereal (laughs) and alex goes no i'm not gonna make you cereal everybody can make cereal you know put cereal in a bowl pour the milk well i guess mallory can't really make cereal (laughs) but that pause was perfect and then he just thought you know he <laughs> throws poor mallory right under the bus poor mallory so you know we had a couple of cute scenes between alex and andy and andy started making faces at alex at one point when alex is talking and so then it flashes the camera flashes to alex's face <laughs> and he's just kind of laughing <laughs> their chemistry is phenomenal they're so cute together yeah 
Alex is trying to tell him, you know, like, brothers will always be brothers. So even when Andy finds somebody and a girl and he, you know, falls in love and he gets married, Alex will still be hit the number one person in Andy's life. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to keep his uh, priorities straight. So uh, at that point, Maureen wa- walks in and she's looking uh, to see if Rob's there. And that's when Alex said, no, you know, he and my dad went to the batting cages. And she goes, oh, yeah, his new career. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the actress that plays Maureen is so good in this. She's just she was she's really good, mean and deadpan, and just you know got that kind of a scathing side to her. So it's pretty awesome. So Maureen says, "Oh, that's really good. I'm going to talk to you guys." Well, at that point, Stephen and and uh, Rob walk in, and Alex and Andy beat it real quick. And then Maureen goes, "Okay, you know we got to talk some things through." Stephen's like, "Okay, I'm out too." So he leaves. And so they sit at the table, Maureen and Rob, and, you know, he's trying to apologize and he understands that, you know, he made a bad decision. It's got to be hard on her and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know, hey, you haven't paid your Amex bill in a couple of months. You probably should take care of that. You know, you were right about the roof leaking. You know, who should I call for that? Just, you know, she's matter of fact. And she's like, okay, well, I still have a house that needs to, you know. I can't just let it fall apart now. And it looked like she had even been doing some of his business stuff as an accountant, like filing people's tax returns. And she said people shouldn't go to prison because you decided you're done. (laughs) (laughs) So at that point, she finally stops for a minute. Rob apologizes. And you kind of get a sensitive moment with her because she's like, you know, I'm really sorry. I tried. And, uh, you know, he kind of said the same thing. And so you see that. They just it didn't look like it had been working for a while. That's the feeling they gave you. Yeah, the simplified version on the surface kind of looks like he just walked out out of nowhere. But I definitely got the feeling that there was it had been a building up to that point. And it was kind of a slow build for who knows how many years. And then just was the catalyst. I think, you know, when he said, I'm just the accountant that, you know, broke him. I think at that yeah. point, that's when Heidi and I both said, yeah, they're not uh, coming back on this one. So. Then we go to the the living room and Steven and Elise are sitting there and they're like, yeah, they've been in there for a while. I wonder what's going on. And, you know, they were talking about their old group of friends and who's still together. And they said a couple of things about, you know, some couples and they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so she, she decided uh, she was gay. And then they're like, oh, what about so-and-so and so-and-so? And oh no, she was gay too. And then they're like, they put the two females together and they're said, oh no, still together. <laughs> yeah, Denise and Charlotte. <laughs> Denise and Charlotte. That's right. Yeah. So apparently, Which I you thought know, was a pretty early like mention of like a gay relationship that wasn't. I mean, it was it was funny, but it wasn't like mine for like mocking. It was you know. Yeah, it was just like no, they're surprising. still together. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as well because I mean, what are we nineteen eighty seven and they're talking about yeah. not only the divorce but a gay relationship and they're still together and they really pushed a lot of envelopes on this one. They did for sure. Anyways, at that point, Rob and Maureen come out. She's like, okay, well, thanks a lot. And and Rob is like, well, you know, talk to so-and-so. He's got all the account numbers. If you need money, you know, there's plenty there for you. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's not going to leave her like destitute, but he just didn't take care of anything before he left. So it seemed like they kind of hashed everything out and she, you know, was packed up and ready to go. And so she left and, and Elise walked her out. Stephen and Rob had a moment where they were kind of like reliving some of the past things and how Rob was always there for Stevie. Stephen was like, you know, it's just hard. I just don't know what to do, but I want to be there for you too. And Rob's like, you know, you already have, I appreciate you. And you know, you're always my little brother, no matter what. 
they've kind of agreed, like, you know, there's nothing really you can do, but now you understand the situation. You can be there for me, and that's that's good enough. So Rob goes upstairs, and during their talk, they talked about this album song, especially. What was it called? Old Shep? Old Shep, yep. That uh, Rob would make Steven listen to, and it always made him cry, and so... He would Rob would bring his friends over on a rainy day and hold Steven down and make him listen. So that way he'd cry in front of all of Rob's friends and that was funny. And so we get Steven going over to the old turntable there and he's gonna he pulls it out and he's putting it on and Alex is like, you know, walks in and goes, Oh hey dad, you know what's going on? And Steven tells him and and uh, Alex is like, Oh man, dad, you know you're you're a great guy and everything, but man, you're so emotional. And so he walks out of the room and, you know, the song starts playing. Steven sits on the couch and Alex walks back in and he's listening to the lyrics of the song. <laughs> and he's getting like more and more upset. And pretty soon <laughs> one of the lyrics in the song is the the doctor said, there's I can't do anything more for him, Jim. And, you know, so Jim pulls out a gun and puts it to the dog's head. And Alex is like, wait, they're going to shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> So Steven looks around real fast and stands up, and then Alex is like, ah, oh. and so, like, that was kind of it. Like, they just kind of trailed yeah. off and show's over. No freeze frame or anything. They shot the dog. They shot the dog. Well, we, we didn't hear the part where they shot the dog, but he pulled That's out his true. gun and put it to his head, and then Alex couldn't yeah. hold himself down anymore. It was implied. Which is kind of a weird thing. Like, were they at the doctor's office and the guy just pulls a gun out at the doctor's office? Or (laughs) maybe it was a house call. I don't know. Could have been. Vet came out to the farm, maybe. Sure. And I didn't listen to all the lyrics, but yeah, something along those lines. But really kind of a a real sad and poignant episode. But also, I mean, really ahead of its time, I think, for talking about divorce. And they didn't fix their relationship or anything. And then also talking about the other, you know, the gay relationship between Denise and Charlotte. Like you said, very ahead of its time. And not the way that you expect a sitcom to resolve. No, not at all. It was a very special episode, I would say. It was. Sha-la-la-la! Interestingly, we don't have any new guest stars to talk about because it's the same exact people who were in the last one. But we do have some interesting things that made an appearance. And I really want to talk about the computer that Jennifer's using. Yes, please do so. Because when that came out, I mean, first of all, she walks in. She's like, oh, I got to use my computer down here. And I immediately I'm like, what? What computer is she walking around with? Like... Because it looks kind of like a laptop, except, like you said, it's, like, flat. It doesn't have, like, a fold-out screen or anything. And I just did not think computers were like that then. So No. I did some extensive searching around, and I'm fairly confident that I found exactly the computer that she's got there. Oh, okay. We checked against several different pictures from different angles, and I think we got it here. So... This episode is in 1987, but the computer I think that she's got is a TRS-80 Model 100. A it Trash 80? It was in April of 1983. It's a portable computer, and it was one of the first notebook-style computers featuring a keyboard and a liquid display. And it says it was roughly the size and shape of a notepad or a large book. I got uh, a few different sources, Wikipedia, and I found some listings on eBay to get some more info here. So that's what I'm... Pulling from that's where I got the pictures from and stuff, and okay, fairly confident this is the correct one with a liquid display, huh? Yeah, so it just has like a little screen built in, and there's a keyboard down below, and it you, it could do basic, 
It could do had like some word processing. Um, some funny things that I found out about. Well, first of all, when it released, the introductory price, there was a couple different versions. There was an 8K and a 24K version. <laughs> uh, the 8K, 8K, which was the cheaper of the two, was $1,099. Oh, my gosh. And the 24K, yes, K, was $1,399. Wow. Yeah. So, like, what would it, like, obviously, if it had the little liquid display there, you could see what you were typing. Would you hook it to a printer then, or? The crazy part is it even had, like, a built-in modem. Really? Yeah, to get on, like, old, so you could, it said it had an internal modem because it was portable. It was, like, and it was relatively low-priced. Journalists used it a lot, I guess, because they could take it with them. It had, you know, you, you could plug in, but it also would run off of AA batteries. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, like, you could, you know, that's how it could, like, be portable and still run. According to, I mean, this is, again, I think this one I got off of Wikipedia here, that it had a text editor. And it says it was noticeably slow in execution, especially for fast-touch typists. Oh. Due partly to the slow CPU and partly to the slow response time of the LCD screen. So after speed typing a sentence or two, the user would have to wait several seconds for the computer to catch up. <laughs> oh, wow. How crazy is that? Yeah. Fantastic. So it's probably good for uh, people who only type like a couple of letters at a time. You know, they got the one one finger on each hand typing away. That would be perfect for me. I would not need to worry about catching up there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was shocked when I saw it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what is that? It says the built-in programs were a text editor, a terminal program, and then a basic interpreter. So you could program with basic. Interesting, but a built-in modem. Just crazy. I had no idea. I mean, obviously, it is from that time, because that's when it was made. But I was like, wait, did they grab that out of the future or something? <laughs> Yeah, that's so bizarre. It built in modem. Okay, so you hooked it into the phone line, but I just there was no framework for any of that stuff to go through. You would have to go to a place that I guess that had a receiver. Someone else that's plugged into the line, and then you would have the phone number that you would specifically dial to. You know, I mean, like war games. Think about old movies and stuff where they would literally type in the into the phone the number that it would call, and then it would hook up, and you could communicate. You know, so if they, like, say there was a journalist out in the field, and they could type back into their office and then they could send their text in and then they could take that and print it or put it in the newspaper file. Interesting. That's crazy. I was shocked. So journalists and then Jennifer Keaton had and that Jennifer computer. Keaton, yeah. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, I guess it was very popular, you know, I mean, considering the time it was relatively, it sold pretty well. It said, yeah, well, I can imagine it would be, I mean, it's kind of cool technology. There you go. We also had a song that was significant that was mentioned in there, like you said. Old Shep. And there's some interesting stuff about Old Shep here. First of all, the song was written by Red Foley, uh, who wrote the music, and Arthur Williams wrote the lyrics. But Red Foley first performed it and recorded it. But it was like a really popular song, and it was covered by like tons of people. Johnny Cash, Pat Boone, Hank Williams, and Elvis Presley. Probably the Elvis Presley one is the most famous version of it. Wow. Lots of famous covers. However, I paused and looked at the album cover, because you can actually see the album cover that he's holding there. And did like a search and figured out, you know, because it's hard to tell 
I don't know the, the voices of all the singers, but tracked it down and actually found the version that he was holding there is the Red Foley version, and it's from Red Foley's Greatest Hits, which came out in 1967. So it wasn't the original issue, but it was a Greatest Hits album that had that song on it. Wow, interesting. Look at you, Detective Phil. Definite image match there, so that's for sure the one that he's got. Well, and talk about a bummer of a song, too. I mean, woof. Oh, yeah. You know? I think we're three lines in, and the the boy gets a dog, grows up with the dog, and then, you know, the doctor says, nothing else I can do about the dog. Yep, (laughs) and puts the dog down. Yeah. Okay, so a couple other interesting things about it. So Elvis Presley, as I mentioned, did like a famous cover of it. But according to, this is again a Wikipedia article, according to a Wikipedia article, Elvis Presley... On October 3rd, 1945, he sang Old Shep at the age of 10 for his first public performance in a singing contest at the Mississippi-Alabama Fair and Dairy Show. He came in wow. fifth place and won $5 and a free ticket to the fair ride. Oh, okay. <laughs> so $5 in 1945, that was some money. It's pretty good. Then at 16 years of age, he performed it in 1951 at a talent show at his high school, where he's a student, and he won an encore for his performance. But then he did a cover version that was the famous recording of him in 1956. So that's his history with that. And then one last interesting little bit about this song here. So I, I, again, I was, I tried to find like the source for this because it cites, you know, the sources at the bottom and the links are all dead for the actual source. But According to an interview with Gary David Goldberg, who's the creator of Family Ties, the whole story of Stephen's brother, you know, torturing him, making him listen to Old Shep and stuff, he said it was based on his own childhood when his real-life older brother would do that to him. Oh, wow. So that part, like, came directly from him, according to an interview that I can't find the original source of, so. Sure. Well, that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, it it checks out. I don't know why someone would make that up, you know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's kind of sad. Old Shep, it is. But I guess it was endearing enough that he brought it into the show. Yeah. So would you say that Old Yeller was kind of modeled after that? Hmm, interesting. That was like in the 50s, right? Or was that 60s? Yeah. Well, and obviously the movie wasn't the first version of it. Right, right. They're definitely similar. It's a 1956 children's novel written by Fred Gibson. Oh, well, the song was written in 1935, so... So there's a chance Old Yeller's kind of a bootleg of uh, Old Shep. I guess so. I mean, they didn't even try to disguise it very much either. Old Shep and Old old Yeller. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good work, sir. Thank you, thank you. Well, and the fact that you were able to pause and track down the uh, album cover to figure out that it was the greatest hits from 1967... Well, I I like that, because if you remember correctly, they did one where they did a Bob Dylan song, and they actually had a correct album cover, you know, like they had a Bob Dylan album cover. And I think it's cool that they actually had the real ones because they could have just had a placeholder, but they did the real thing. So good. Good job, Family Ties. Sha-la-la-la! Just a couple funny little bits that I uh, wrote down from the show. Kathy, we didn't get a whole lot of the Kathy character, but she had one little really funny bit because, first of all, when Maureen shows up, all the kids come in. They're like, hi, Aunt Maureen. Hi, Aunt Maureen. They all take turns hugging her. And then Kathy walks out, and she's like, hi, Aunt Maureen. Super <laughs> awkward. And then later, yeah. <laughs> when Elaine, when Elaine, when Elise is talking with Maureen up in her room, Kathy comes in, and she's like, 
Uh, hi, Aunt Maureen. I'm really sorry about this. She keeps calling her Aunt Maureen. Uh, but your car is blocking me in, and I really want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could you imagine how awkward that would be if oh, you, you oh, were in that so, kind of a situation? Oh, no. I don't think that Kathy's going to want to stick around after that experience. I think Rob's going to be on his own. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's going to be single again, (laughs) which is good. I mean, he's probably not staying for very much longer. I mean, you know, a week or two, and then he's probably on the road going somewhere else. Well, the only reason he called Stephen in the first place is because he he was tired of living uh, at campgrounds talking to owls. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Maybe he'll go back to the Grand Canyon or something now. Oh, there you go. I did think it was funny, too, Janelle and I were talking about this, that, you know, he had this midlife crisis and realized he wasn't happy being an accountant, blah, blah, blah. But he could have, like, started with getting a different job. He didn't have to, like, dump everything, including his wife, right away. Yeah. Janelle's like, remember remember how, like, this year I got a new position at my school, so we had to get a divorce and not live together anymore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. Yes. Well played, Janelle. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't either. That was news to me. <laughs> well, and I mean, this is going to sound really weird, I think, now, but, and, and maybe it was different back in, you know, 87, but could you imagine if you and Janelle, for whatever reason, got a divorce? Just, I mean, really outlandish. Would you ever, like, just leave and never see your kids or no. never plan on being a part of your kids' lives? No, it's crazy. I mean, that's just, that is so foreign to me that I'm like, well, of course, like, you got to see your kids every day or every other day at, at yeah. worst case, but. You get out there on just, Lake Huron and visit your daughter with yeah, your family. Right? You can go fishing with them. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so bizarre to me, but when you're coming up with kind of a fake scenario and you don't have all the time to come up with a real realistic backstory, I guess, you know, you kind of take what you can get and make it work. Or maybe that was the mindset. You know, dad wasn't as much of a part of the kids, but I feel like look at Steven and his relationship with those kids. Like there's no way if he and Elise got a divorce that he would just disappear for a couple of months. No, no way. We were, (laughs) I didn't know we're talking about that. I'm like, yeah, there's not an ice cubes chance. Like shocking. So bizarre. Okay, another one that I thought was funny. Also, all mine were related to Kathy, I think, in this one. (laughs) When Maureen (laughs) comes in and Andy and Alex are in the kitchen and they're talking a little bit. And Andy's like, "Uh, who are you? And, And she's like, I'm your Aunt Maureen. And then Andy's like... Then who's that other lady? And she's like, your <laughs> uncle's midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so funny. Maureen, just, yeah, some great delivery there. And then finally, oh. when Maureen and Rob are in the kitchen and doing all their paperwork stuff, and meanwhile, Elise and Steven are in the living room, and they're talking, Steven's like, I just don't know. Is there anything more we could have done? You know, and Elise is like, no, you can't. Don't beat yourself up about it. And Steven's like, you're right. We did everything we could do. We listened. We cried. We drove Kathy home. <laughs> <laughs> you should have had Alex do it. You know, I Alex know. just had taken all those fraternity girls home. So and what happened to her car? Because it was blocked in. I guess maybe Maureen didn't move. So that's why they had to drive her home. <laughs> well, at one point, Maureen told Elise, you know, she was past it and it's all behind me. And then she goes, so who's the little hussy downstairs? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not uh, quite as uh, calm as she tried to portray. <laughs> that actress really just, she lit up the screen. I really liked her performance. Yeah, she was good. 
I'm kind of bummed because, you know, we get two more with good old brother Rob there, but we don't get any more with Maureen. I guess they didn't work it out. I guess they never do. Well, there was one more line that I thought was really funny that you didn't mention, and it's when Rob and Steven are sitting at the kitchen table. And, um, you know, that's what Rob is kind of recanting the story of what happened and what caused him to kind of just go off the deep end and leave. And, you know, he says, I just couldn't do it. And, and you know, I just couldn't. I didn't like the numbers. I've never liked numbers. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And Stephen, he goes, you get it, Stephen? Do you understand why I'm scared? And Stephen goes, oh, I get why you're scared. And I'm scared, too. You're my accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen's delivery. So good. Sha-la-la-la. So now that we're at the end of a two-part episode, was there a moral for the whole thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, old Shep just uh, sums it all up. Don't get old. You get a shot in the back of the head. (laughs) Yep. Just kidding. (laughs) I put, sometimes you just can't solve a problem, whether it's in 30 minutes or whether it's in your life. And the people around you just need to listen, support, and just try to understand. That's very good. Well, one of the things that I took away from it also was just that family is always family. Mm -hmm. Because I love the part with Elise, when Elise is talking to Maureen and she's like, you know, no matter what happens, like your family, like, you know, we're still going to stay close. And I thought that was really sweet because a lot of times in that kind of situation, the the in-law is just not a part of the picture anymore. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if anything ever happened to me and Heidi, I'm pretty sure that uh, my family has already adopted her. They like her better than me ever, so (laughs) I'm out of luck. (laughs) (laughs) So I I just thought that was cool that her bond went beyond just that that marriage, that they were family regardless. And if (laughs) if you're in an adulterous relationship, park your car on the street. I think is what yeah, we learned you, from Kathy. Don't park in the driveway. I mean, don't, who do you think you are, you don't, monster? Don't park in the driveway. <laughs> well, she'd been over every night for a week, you know, yeah. so they were dancing all the time. And I always thought it was funny that she would come over and then they would go together. He wouldn't go pick her up. Well, I guess yeah. he didn't have a car, though, unless he took one of the Keaton's cars. I think it may have just been a convenience thing, but yes, if we're going to explain it away in the in universe... Yeah. He needed he needed her to come pick him up. Yeah. Well, you know me, Phil. I'm always, you know, trying to solve the problem. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what a good episode, but just kind of a bummer episode. I'm hoping next week's will be uh, you know, just more outright. I mean, there was there were laughs, but it was definitely overall a intense couple of episodes here so i'm ready for some levity yeah well and i feel like we're 14 episodes in now have we seen nick this season at all we have but it's been a while we haven't seen him since we came back from break you know oh so long ago we need more nick we also have not had our final episode with ellen oh that's right so that's coming i wonder when that's coming we got some interesting ones on the horizons. Oh, yeah. But I think that's going to do it for this episode of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. Keith, thank you so much, as always, for being a great co-host. Please remind our dear listeners how to get a hold of us. Oh, they should email us at alexpkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com. They can find us on Facebook at Alex P. Keaton, or they can join our group, a group for the friends of the Alex P. Keaton is my friend show. 
Whoa, that was so close. <laughs> oh, dang it. Very close. One well, word off, I'm, podcast. Oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> People will find it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, they will find it. And, you know, write in and tell us what you think about the Monopoly thing. You know what I mean? You know, we're coming up on the holidays. We're coming up on some time when you spend more time with family. And, um, you know, do you play board games? And how do you play? I think we're going to hear from at least one person who's confirmed <laughs> with me that they're going to they're gonna let us know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, we'll, uh, we'll be reporting back on the Monopoly question in the next episode. I hope it's Luke or Audrey and they're on my team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can guarantee you they're not on your team in this scenario. Oh, man. They're definitely money organized in front of them type of players. So. Oh, all right. Well. I think it's still brilliant. I still think it's probably one of the smartest things I've ever done. <laughs> Crafty, yes. Don't show all your hand. You know, all, don't put all your cards on the table. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> well, the jury's still out. Yes, they are. <laughs> and we are out as well. So thank you, dear listeners, for joining us this week. And please join us again next week on another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. What would we do, baby, without us? What would we do, baby, without us? And there ain't no nothing we can love each other through. What would we do, baby, without us? Sha-la-la-la. Uh, you know, uh, not, no.